live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, greetings and welcome in on a Tuesday morning. It is 609 Tuesday, July 12th. 2022, 61 degrees in the capital city, and it is time to go. Our guests today are many, uh, including, we talked to Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. He had the first conversation on the record with Governor Ricketts uh, after this weekend's events with the state Republican Party, so he'll tell us about that. We've got during the 8 o'clock hour, Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce joining us. John Baylor for the first time in a while is going to join us today to uh, talk a little bit about a variety of things, including the upcoming Nebraska volleyball season. So busy day in terms of guests this morning and uh, we are ready to go. Good morning, guys. Welcome in. Hi. Welcome to Tuesday. Uh, well, here here was the first thing. Here's the first thing I was I was looking at today, and and, and maybe maybe you guys will have something else. But I see that the uh, the old Lincoln Airport is going to get uh, three million dollars, one and a half million dollars times two, essentially to uh, to recruit new uh, new flights, new airlines, new uh, new service to the Lincoln Airport. County Board had already uh, said they were going to use their ARPA funds for this. The city was not at the time going to contribute additional money. Uh, that is, they've they've changed course on that, essentially. And so uh, $3 million goes there. In the middle of that big uh, $55 million project that's going on right now. But we will see, perhaps, if the Lincoln Airport, I don't know if three, how much $3 million does well, it depends. for something like this. Uh, this is a part of, a, as I understand it, a revenue guarantee for uh, airlines to, that would come in. Okay. So they're guaranteed so much revenue. Uh, over a, a certain period of time. So if the flights were all full every single day, uh, you know, you might not have to spend any of it. But. Okay. So it's a, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, some, it's incentive. So yeah. It's, it's, it's basically say, Hey, I'm putting this up, to, you know, to guarantee that for the airline that these are going to be successful flights for you. And we right. can back it up with this here, uh, that we go that. And, and, and it's interesting. Um, I had I had forgotten about this, but I was uh, reading a little bit of what was written on it by Matt Olberding. Uh, he talked about how there's going to be a, eventually a, a statewide vote on a constitutional amendment that would allow Lincoln and, and other state communities to use public money to provide these minimum revenue guarantees. Right now, this is not not considered. These ARPA funds are not captured under that but they haven't been able to do that in the past and so that might be a a, a potential change in state law that would allow the airport to have more funds available for these guarantees and and you know the hope is the hope is that you've got more access in and out of that uh, airport places that you can go from there flights filling up and prices going down Hopefully. Uh, which is which is yeah that's that's the hope on this thing but, but that, right right that's now still the challenge that's i mean that's still yeah. the biggest challenge well you've got uh, you've got the uh, workforce shortage you've got fuel costs that are all in there so there's a lot more to uh take into consideration right. than there was five years ago speaking of flying my uh my mom and my daughter are coming back from uh the west coast they went out to a, a wedding down there and uh, knock on. I'm supposed to pick them up like eight at the at the Lincoln Airport at eight thirty or nine tonight, 
But we'll see. I mean, all the stories, Mark, that I've heard about air travel over the co- course of the last month or two, it sounds like it's a real crapshoot in terms of whether or not you even get where you're going anywhere near when you try to. So, yeah, we'll it's, see. you can probably get there, but not necessarily when you had expected yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know how long I'll be out at the uh, or if I'll be making a surprise trip to Omaha or, or what happens exactly. But uh, we will see. Uh, what else going on this morning, Mark? Oh, the vandals struck last night down your old stomping grounds. I know. Grounds, I heard, I did not. I heard you that story, and I was uh, I was disappointed for my old my old May Morley. Yeah, Morley Elementary. A call came in. It was a fire alarm. Actually, uh, about four oh five. Suspects had already fled, but broken some windows, damaged uh, some signs inside. Uh, Set off a fire extinguisher and other malicious stuff, vandalism. Um, Some punk kids, probably. Well, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but who knows? But, no, probably uh, some 70-year-olds. Uh, <laughs> thanks. I'll Mark, what do you have? Were you in, uh, I don't know. I just want to make sure you have an I, alibi. I, I was actually at my dash cam will reveal that about four Oh five, I was uh, driving up, uh, O street to okay. the McDonald's. Okay. Oh, I can hear the driving on O street, right? Oh now. Yeah, yes. I've got the windows wide open. It's 60 degrees. Why not cool? Uh, it? It's six. Uh, well, yesterday. Okay. So yesterday I was all this talk about how it was supposed to be cooler and nice and 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 i went out and uh i mowed the lawn and it started at about five o'clock yesterday afternoon it was hot and humid in my opinion it was it, i thought it was supposed to be all i heard was about how nice it was supposed to be yesterday but yep. i don't know it was a little hot for my liking. it was super lawn, nice in the evening we 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 went went to a uh park in the, yeah, uh, I know. I think I went. Hour. I think I wow. went. I think I just did it about an hour and a half too early. Probably. I need to wait, but I wanted to match up. I wanted to hear Commander Jack and what he had to say about mm-hmm. about the convention in Carney, and uh, he had yep. he had Aaron Sandiford on his show last night. So I I wanted to get I wanted to get caught up from uh, someone who was actually in the building and throughout the entire process. So I timed that out last night so I could so I could take a listen. And so, I was. Our AC went out Sunday afternoon. Oh, you, yeah, I got your. We're, how's that going? We're still waiting on repairman. <sighs> Yesterday was a little toasty working at the house. Oh, I bet. Oh man, are we finding a new cooler place to sleep than the regular bedroom, or is it? Well, just, we, we had the windows just going open. no covers. The no windows covers, open. Uh, ceiling fan going on high, and yeah, I mean at least last night wasn't that bad because with the windows open. I mean, no, overnight it was probably not bad at all. But yeah, the the worst is when that happens, and and it's the hottest, you know, the hottest week of the summer, and humid, and and humid. At and, least last night the humidity was down, and it's like you call anyone, and it's it's like, well, that's going to be three or three or four days until we can even get out there, and ugh, we knock on wood, we haven't gone through that. It felt like we had it every year for a while, and we eventually replaced the thing. But yeah, that's always a that's always a sick feeling when you're putting your I uh, putting your foot over the vent, your bare foot over the vent yeah. to see if anything cold is coming out of it. Yeah. You, you're sort of debating with yourself is like, is that air conditioning or is that just air? Just air. <laughs> That's a bad feeling. Yeah, very bad feeling. And it gets worse. Yeah. Yeah. And we got the uh we got the the new uh Republican state leadership taking uh taking residence in their their offices and their duties here uh, this week, yesterday, and so it's gonna be interesting to talk to to Joe Jordan about. But 
Uh, I know that Pete Riggett's talked to not only um, not only him, but he's now talked to some other media as well, and yeah, he's basically right. accepting of of what happened, and I guess ready to move forward here. You don't have a lot of choice in it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, I mean, you could rail on what happened. You, you could certainly... I know there are a number of examples of not accepting the results. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but he basically uh, he had his statewide call-in show yesterday and basically said it was, you know. It was by the rules. Nothing was done outside of the rules, and therefore, it's uh, you. You go on with with what's happened, and and we will see. We will see with all that. And um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it was interesting. It was interesting. To listen, to Commander Jack, where he gave a little bit more of the um, the the the. He had the discussion with Aaron Sanderford about kind of what it was like. One of them said, I think it might have been Aaron, but maybe it was Jack that it was. Uh, it was kind of like one of those videos you see a British Parliament where they're <laughs> where they're you know yelling out all over the place and and making motions and responding clapping like that or the Jerry Springer show I guess <laughs> <laughs> for the most part um, so yeah so we got that uh, we got that going on um, and uh, Caleb I see we got we got some uh, new nominees for the uh, Husker Football Hall of Fame uh, that I see uh, Prince Amukamara after by the way a like a long NFL career Prince had he was right um, he played for the Giants uh, played for a couple other teams I think as well I think predominantly he played with the Giants I think he had some time with the Cardinals as well and then uh, Bruce Pickens also is uh, in that class now. So these aren't just nominees for it; like these are in. They're in. Yeah, they're in. These I are should the ones say that, that in. the incoming class and and Bruce Pickens, I think he, he is a under remembered Husker. I'm trying to remember. He got picked. He got picked like way high in the draft that year. Uh, after so this would have been late '80s, early '90s, early '90s, early '90s, and he was picked by the Falcons. I want to say like fourth in the draft overall in third. the nfl draft third third, third in, in the, the nfl ni- draft in the 91 draft did you have did you know that i did <laughs> outside not. of reporting for this did not yeah he was a it was a cornerback at the time coming out of nebraska and he was the third overall pick in the nfl draft that year um and so he was yeah he was one of the highest i mean Talk about all-time highest ever drafted huskers he's uh he's on the very 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 short list of that which is uh which is interesting. So he played for a while. I think for the he got drafted by the Falcons, um, and I, th- I believe this would this was the time when Deion Sanders was there <laughs> with the Falcons as well in that defensive backfield. Was he good? Yeah, uh, yeah, he was. Oh, okay. he was. He was pretty good. It was okay. Yeah. Good. So anyway, uh, that's what we've that's what we've got going on today. Did I forget anything else, Mark? Anything else important that we needed to hit on here at the outset? No, not really, other than the January 6th committee will uh, hold another public hearing today. Okay. Um, oh, and then in the <laughs> national news, yeah. Uh, <laughs> guess who's going after Elon Musk and who's returning the favor? Uh, Trump. Yeah. yeah. It always happens at some yeah. point. The billionaires point, so, are bickering. So Trump got after him on uh, at a rally. In Anchorage right? over the weekend. In Anchorage. Yeah. Um, so he got after him at a rally, and then Elon's getting back after him on Twitter, and... Yep, this this one. The relationship <laughs> always dies, doesn't it, at yeah. some point? Musk says the maximum age for the president should be set at 69. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, uh, you know, there is a there. I, we talked about this on the show before, but I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to a uh, a younger president than <laughs> at some point than the two front runners for the. No offense to anyone. No offense to anyone. But yeah, I'm looking forward to a. I don't know when it's. I'm, it probably won't happen this next time around because these, as it looks right now, one of these guys is going to be it. But come on, remember you guys remember fifty year olds? <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. Remember that? <laughs> remember fifty year olds? It's probably time. It probably is. Gen time X to is going to get skipped over. Is Gen X going to get completely skipped over in for the, the presidential sweepstakes? Yeah, we talked about that once, uh, and and how Obama's technically Obama's a boomer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then obviously, obviously Trump and Biden, mm-hmm. and yeah, Gen X is just. Gonna, I mean, once the next president's going to be like uh, somebody who's thirty two right now, and and uh, how old is DeSantis? I have no idea. I have no concept. I think he's is he in his in his forties. I think he's young forties. Young for is he younger than me? Forty three. Oh god. And Cruz is like oddly young too. Really? Ted Cruz is like younger than you would think. How old do you think Ted Cruz is? I'd say he's in his late fifties. Look up how old Ted Cruz is. I think fifty one. Yeah, fifty one. Early fifties, okay. Yeah. He seems like he's been around for two hundred (laughs) years. Are you rooting for them just so Gen X can get somebody? (laughs) I mean, Honestly, there's well, there's a big part of me that is <laughs> that that is ready for some new some new blood in the American presidency. I mean, we've you know we've in the American sh- leadership in American leadership, but especially in the the American presidency. Yeah. I mean, we've shuffled through the same sort of the, the the same cast of characters here over the course of two decades and. Yeah, there's definitely a part of me that would like to do that. I had no idea. So DeSantis is 43. So he's a, so he's a year younger than me. Jeez. Wow. Don't forget, Tom Brady still older than me, though, just for the record, if we're talking about people in Florida who are older than me. I just want someone who was born post-Vietnam. Born post-Vietnam. Right. Yeah. Well, you'll get that would work with uh, get that with DeSantis then. Get that with Buttigieg, uh, DeSantis. What do we say? Buttigieg was is he old? Tom is, Cotton is uh, Buttigieg. He's got to be in his f- what mid forties, right? About the same age as me. He is uh forty. He's only forty. He okay. is born in eighty two. All, right. All right. And Kamala is older, probably older than I think she is as well. I want to say Kamala is. Is she close to 50, 56, maybe? 57. Ooh, almost nailed it. This is a fun game we're playing this morning. Yeah, it's like Guess a, the ages of politicians. Of politicians. It can be surprisingly hard sometimes. <laughs> very much. I'm glad I'm not a politician. What's, uh, what's uh, Christy Nome? What's She's got to be 50. 45, 48, maybe? No, I think she's older than that. I want to say, I bet she's 50. Well, 50. Boom! I am good at this game. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> 50. I nailed that one. There you go. Huh. All right. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. By the way, did you hear the Dalai Lama went in to order a pizza? And in deference to him, they asked what he wanted on it. And he says, one with everything. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
That one made me laugh. <laughs> 624. <laughs> good job. Good job. 7.5 out of 10. Solid 7.5. 624. Ah, give him an 8. <laughs> no. It's the Russian judge. <laughs> 625 LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Waking up the capital city with the help of Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is 1499.3 KLIN. John DeSauer. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first, look for it this afternoon. Tomorrow's What Chaps Your Eye to Wednesday. If you're not yet a liker of the LNK Today with Jack and Friends Facebook page, now's the time to do that. You can uh, register your chaps uh, on Tuesday afternoons, as early as Tuesday afternoons there. You can always text them into the Rick Stein Recognition text line. But if you want to be a part of the Facebook conversation, and then just see all our podcasts, see all uh, all the other content that we uh, put out there on Facebook, be a part of some of the Request Line Friday threads, all kinds of stuff, occasionally some contests as well, like that Facebook page. Uh, it's a good way to keep up with the show. You follow us on Twitter as well, at LNK Today. Uh, Excuse me. All right. Jeez. Too much Diet Mountain Dew. Sir. I just wow. burped into the microphone. That's not professional. <laughs> Jeez. Sorry. I apologize. I do. I apologize. This is Tuesday was... the 11th, 12th. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> all right. You know, somebody if, if there, somebody would be making some uh, deceptive video about it, you could cut together a, well, maybe not so deceptive, but a video that says, "Is <laughs> is Jack too frail for this job? <laughs> Does he have it all? Does he have it all mentally there? Check out, check out this, where he f- can't remember what day it is. It's, it's I feel bad for him. Uh, so Russia, you know, the Ukraine is getting all this help with, uh, with." weapons, other equipment for their conflict with Russia right now from countries from around the world, a lot of NATO countries as well, where apparently Russia is going to get some help now. Um, And who's there to help them but our good, good friends from the country of Iran. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says Moscow's getting ready to get armed with drones, a.k.a. unmanned aerial vehicles or UAVs. Our information indicates that the Iranian government is preparing to provide Russia with up to several hundred UAVs, including weapons-capable UAVs, on an expedited timeline. Sullivan said it's not clear if those drones are already in Russian hands, but he did say Iran will be training Russian forces as soon as this month. He also said the move shows Russia's constant bombardments of Ukraine have been coming at a cost of the Kremlin's stockpile of weapons. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. Yeah, so... uh Putin is going to go to Iran a week from today. He's going to meet the Iranian president and Erdogan from Turkey. Um, and apparently this has to do a part with peace talks with Syria at this point. Um, but it's interesting with, with all of it because um, the, the Iranian drones have, had been used by Yemen's rebels to attack Saudi Arabia. In the past, and, well, you know where the President of the United yeah. States is going at this point, and they're going to Israel and Saudi Arabia, and I don't know if this changes how 
those countries feel, particularly about Russia, but they have not joined sanctions against Russia. Is is I mean, just geopolitically, Israel sees Iran as its biggest regional threat. <laughs> so now we're getting some of these ongoing Middle East conflicts sort of worked into everything that's going on here at this point. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the reaction of Saudi Arabia, what the reaction of Israel is just because Iran is, is, you know, working with Russia and giving them, them Trump boy. But man, can you imagine hearing that in, in, uh, I don't know, 1986, Again, probably been watching too much Stranger Things, but can you imagine hearing that in that that Russia, formerly the Soviet Union, needs some uh, needs some help from Iran? Well, to to do what they're doing here in a military action. Think about it's, all the things that you could say about 2022 if you were in 1986. That would just blow your mind. Yo, yes, obviously. Not 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 like technology, but when you're thinking about. What co- countries are doing with each other? Right. What college conferences are doing? <laughs> those are the two things you want to tell those, those the are time traveler like, from 1986. Hey, uh, hey I'm going to let you guys know. USC and UCLA are going to go to a new league. Okay. Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave the same league to a different one. Wait. When did they get to the same league? <laughs> right. You you missed about 20 <laughs> steps in the middle. <laughs> To even explain this to the to Mister and Mrs. Nineteen Eighty Six, oh man, you guys, I'm sorry. There's a new COVID variant. I don't know. It's it's hopefully the same as everything else. But let's be honest. I don't know. We don't know. But I'm here to tell you about. Well, I'm not here to tell you about it. Tanya's going to tell you about it. The most recent Omicron variant of COVID-19 is BA5, the most contagious so far, and it's driving a wave of case numbers in the U.S. The CDC says it makes up more than 50 percent of new COVID cases nationwide. The quickly changing coronavirus has spawned yet another super contagious Omicron mutant that's worrying scientists as it gains ground in India and pops up in other countries including the U.S. Scientists say the variant, called BA275, may be able to spread rapidly and get around immunity from vaccines and previous infection. Uh. It's unclear whether it could cause more serious disease than other Omicron variants, including BA5. Tanya J. Powers, Fox it, News. But, but I mean, I, I mean, I'm, it feels like every time they say that with a new variant, that it's more contagious than the previous right. one. And we are where we are right now which is a much better place than we had been in in a long time. So the BA5 is the one that's here right now. Um, and and so that's, and you've got 31,000 people across the United States who are currently hospitalized. That's admissions up 4.5% from a week ago. And, and that kind of started on the coast in, in late June here at this point. But... The BA five, so the BA five was the first one they're talking about. The newer one is the one that she was talking about in India. That's mm-hmm. that's the next one, right? Of there, but you know, BA five highly transmissible, managed to at least partially sidestep some of the immunity people may have from prior infections and vaccinations. I, I mean, I will say this, just in terms of people, I I know uh, people around us here. There's been there's been a little tick up of cases mm-hmm. of people being positive, but you know. 
it's been some of them have some of them have been like yeah you know it was mild it was it was like a cold and some people are like yeah it was it was a little worse than i thought um so <laughs> you know you know whatever um we still we just no know evidence a lot more but no right evidence now. that the variant causes more serious illness Good. um and so it's they're saying the BA5 at least isn't going to be something like we saw last winter because we're better equipped like like you said we're better equipped to to deal with this. I mean the protocols are we we just like we know what's going to go on so it's Yeah. Okay. Stay away from this person for a couple days. They make sure they wear a mask right. for a couple days. So like remember after Christmas when it it got really crazy again for a little while. The US was averaging 3000 deaths a day at that time. Okay. We're at 300 right now, just to give you an idea okay. of of uh, what the situation is. And you got more underlying immunity. You got antivirals that are going in as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, on, I mean, in all honesty, there was when when this thing kept coming back and kept coming back and all the debates about it. Like, I wondered how long it was going to be until we were. Like I wondered if in July of 2022 this would be something that I didn't think about every day, but we've been there for a while, mm-hmm. so um, I think that's a, a, a overall a good thing. But just want to point it out. Oh, and there you've got a new vaccine you can use if you uh, if you're interested in doing that. Ooh. That looks like it'll be coming out soon. The federal government says it has secured 3.2 million doses of Novavax's protein-based COVID vaccine. It'll be made available free to states if and when the vaccine is approved by the FDA. Federal health officials say this latest vaccine would offer people another choice to help protect themselves against severe disease or hospitalization from COVID. And they say existing vaccines and treatments are keeping hospitalizations and deaths relatively low, even as the Omicron subvariant BA5 becomes increasingly prevalent. New daily cases have been hovering around 100,000 nationwide. In Atlanta, Jonathan Siri, Fox News. I mean, I hope if and when that comes out, I hope, you know, there's some guidance like, okay, it's great. You're giving people a choice if they want to get it, but why would you pick one or the over the other? Exactly. Right. Like, what's the reason? I know this isn't doing? what it means, but when he said protein based, I was like, so you can get immunity and gains. <laughs> Just took my vaccine. I'm gonna hit the gym now. <laughs> Do a little leg press. Get a little vaccine. Uh, another uh, another hearing on Capitol Hill this morning from the January sixth committee. Uh, what's going to happen today? Let's see if we can get a little bit of a preview. The hearing today will look at groups such as the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and their access to former President Trump as the riot ensued. According to GOP committee member Adam Kinzinger, testimony from ex-White House counsel Pat Cipollone will be presented. You'll see over the next couple of hearings uh, a little of what he said. Certainly you'll see a lot of that in the report. Kinzinger said that on ABC's This Week Sunday. This will likely be the lone hearing this week. Another could come next week, possibly in prime time. Gernal Scott, Fox So they, they were going to do another primetime one on Thursday, and then they canceled it or postponed it. Right later and so maybe that happens i don't know in in prime time the week after i don't know what's behind that is like there is there a like an end a final one on these at some point or right, what are, are, we, are they gonna ever say like this is the last one what are we or, working towards right yeah what what kind of wraps this whole thing up and i've said this before there's so much fixation in in some parts of the media and some people about whether or not there's a quote-unquote criminal referral 
and I'm that that does not ma- it doesn't matter. It's not like the DOJ needs a criminal referral to make a decision. It's not like that's got any other impact other than completely mm-hmm. symbolic for this whole thing. So that that always kind of drives me crazy. Um, all right, what else do we have going on? Oh, uh, meanwhile. So uh, speaking of this, you, you know, they have this thing that Steve Bannon says he wants to testify now and said Trump has waived uh, any executive privilege that he's got, which Bannon didn't work for him during this time. So I, I don't quite understand how that argument works. But nonetheless, um, he wants to uh, he wants to testify. And he's also got his own criminal contempt trial coming up as well. A federal judge in D.C. will not delay the start of Steve Bannon's trial for criminal contempt of Congress. Prosecutors charged Bannon, an advisor to former President Trump, after he refused to cooperate with a subpoena issued by the House Committee investigating last year's Capitol riot. The trial is scheduled to begin next week. Over the weekend, Bannon told the House he is prepared to testify after Trump agreed to drop his claims to executive privilege. The Justice Department in arguments to the court called that change of position a last-ditch attempt to avoid accountability and not a genuine effort to meet his obligations. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. So at one point, they were losing all these motions in front of the judge, who, by the way, guess who appointed him? Trump appointee, mm-hmm. judge. And they're losing all these pretrial motions, and the, the Bannon's counsel at one point, according to a report, says, well, what's the point of even going forward for this if we don't have any defenses? And the, and the judge, the judge essentially said, "Yeah, perhaps you ought to consider that." <laughs> meanwhile, Bannon is spe- and every legal mind in the country just went. Uh... Meanwhile, Bannon is spending the two the day two days whatever before his trial and potential January sixth testimony. Which I don't know if it's going to happen or not. He wants to do it publicly. They'll probably take him behind closed doors. He's spending it. You know, I'm obviously watching the Bannon video podcast TV show, whatever it is. Like, War Room. Oh, is that what it's called? War And I turn it on and uh, and turn it on for my nightly Bannon. And uh, my, my I'll listen, Bannon. I, I'm one of the Fannons. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, but, uh, got my melatonin, after, my little milk, and, uh, oh, my nightly Bannon. My Bannon, me and the Fannons. Uh, uh, our afternoon host is on his show. <laughs> right. <laughs> Riggins was on Steve Bannon's show a couple of days where Bannon is going to trial for criminal contempt of Congress. Yeah. And uh and Todd Watson too, who I used to play NHL ninety four with back in back in the day. <laughs> One of the Sega Genesis. Ate chili with him at a uh yeah, Aliba event. Yeah. They were on Bannon's Bannon's show yesterday talking about the Nebraska GOP. Sounds like, oh, ba- oh by the way, Bannon, not a Ricketts fan. Wasn't exactly he, mincing he, words. He, he, talk, he talked about him like he was some like sort of existential evil darkness or something. <laughs> like like he was uh, that monster on Stranger Things. It was it was something. Uh, I love how you can go ahead and like not even ruin Stranger Things because you just say that monster. Yeah, you don't what, know it any one of them. I don't know the one with the yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> all right, what else? Uh, let's do something else. Let's see. Oh, did you, did you want the intro that Bannon had? Oh yeah. Do you have it? Do you have it up here? Yeah. Let's okay. See. Uh, there was a revolt out in the heartland of this country over the weekend. If you didn't catch it, uh, you weren't on getter. Uh, the, 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 the forces of darkness, the Ricketts organization trying to dominate the GOP out in Nebraska and, and, and corn huskers were not having it. I'm honored to have Jack Riggins and Todd. The forces of darkness. We need some Darth Vader music when we, <laughs> when we do that. 
boy. All right, what else? I think that was the wrong key. Oh, what? Yeah. That's fine. I, I, I like my high register better than my low <laughs> register. Uh, all right, a couple other things here before we uh, we wrap up. Uh, you guys fired up about Amazon Prime Day? Yes. Going to get some deals? Probably Is it not. today? Today and tomorrow. Let's start Let's start browsing. It's Amazon Prime Day, everyone. Uh, get excited. Amazon's biggest sale of the year will run two days this year. The concept is simple. Amazon Prime members get exclusive discounts on products, no coupons needed. It's a chance for shoppers to load up on everything from tech to home products and also take advantage of price cuts on Amazon standalone services like Amazon Music and Audible. The event netted almost $2 billion for the company last year and has spurred competing big sales from retailers like Target and Best Buy. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. The biggest thing they try to do with this, though, is mark down the, the absolute heck out of their Amazon products. Yes. Out of the, they're trying to get their, uh, their, their speakers. Their speakers. Yeah, how can and, we say it without saying it? Yes, the, the Echo Dots. Uh, in the echo spots and the and those and the car echo mm-hmm. and and they're trying to uh, oh in the Kindles and like like those, they sell these those, cheap the ki- TVs the fire sticks they sell these tablets I don't know what they are this year but there was one year they had a uh, we, we were going to get a tablet for our our daughter back when she was watching shows on tablets and that's stuff. A, we we've got those the, Amazon Fire tablets they're selling for like eighteen dollars yeah. it was like ridiculous that's, I was like that's the tablet wow. we have for uh for millie this thing is definitely stealing all of my information <laughs> <laughs> for that price there's no doubt about it it's like but i still bu- bought it they built it in with all the software to take it specifically <laughs> there's ads on it it's got all kinds of stuff but you know 18 bucks why do i have to go through an ad i just tried to open my email <laughs> uh do you need life insurance <laughs> Last but Sounds not like least, it. it is uh it's Emmy nominations day. Hey, I'm I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm a, I'm a much bigger TV guy than I am a movie guy or or show guy than I am a movie guy, so interested to see who's uh who's possibly up for these things. The Emmy nominations will be announced. Melissa Fumero and actor JB Smooth will announce the nominees for the 74th awards on the Television Academy website emmys.com beginning at 11:30 Eastern. Ted Lasso, Succession, Stranger Things, Yellowstone, Only Murders in the Building. We should do our own true crime podcast. We're going to go down there and look around for clues. Do you want to come? Do I want to break into a dead guy's apartment? In Euphoria, among the show's ranking at the top for series. The annual event is set to air on NBC Monday, September 12th. Michelle Polino, Fox News. All right. Uh, so, like, comedy, we're looking at we're looking at Ted Lasso, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, Barry. We're looking at... I, I, actually, I haven't watched... That Abbott Elementary It's actually a network TV show. That's that getting sounds a, like that's done it's really getting well. A lot of it, it's weird because you never feel like network comedies are ever going to have any serious success uh, anymore. Something new like that, but that'll probably be on there as well. Um, and then when it comes to um, like the drama, the drama uh, category, I think we're talking about what S- Succession, Yellowstone, Stranger Things. I assume is in there. Ozark, Better Call Saul. Hmm. This is us. Do we give a shout out to the networks? A little this is us as they say goodbye. Maybe. I don't know. 
Squid Game? Yeah, where's Squid, Squid Game, Game? going to be? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, Yellow, Yellowstone hasn't gotten a, a lot, but it's sort of becoming a, become a phenomenon. That's one I'm still, Yellowstone I'm in the getting used to phase of. I'm still mm-hmm. on in the middle of, see, another deal where I've watched the first episode over the course of like multiple weeks and I still am not hooked on it. So, Do any I'm, of the, uh, the other Disney Plus shows show up? Oh, like um, well, you, Mandalorian. You, or you, the, you had the Book of Boba Fett. You've had Mandalorian Season 2. Um, I don't know how close, like where where was the cutoff line to be in on this? Uh, I don't. I, that's a good question, I, and I don't have the answer for you. Okay, probably released this year, but I don't know this calendar year. But I don't know because obviously, sure like, well, Stranger Things came out in two parts, so the first part probably in, and then the Obi Wan Kenobi series just wrapped yeah. up. Yep. So we'll see. They come out a little bit later this morning, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the kind of the distribution is between streaming and non-streaming uh, mm-hmm. things that are actually on network TV or cable TV now, and not just the uh, the streaming. Which I guess that's what Yellowstone is still a cable show. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a, just a streaming right. show. It's a cable show. So that's kind of old school like that too. All right, six fifty seven. We'll take a break. It's LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLI. John DeSauer. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. During the 7 o'clock, by the way, I'm already... See, here's the the thing. Amazon Prime Day happens, and I have all these Twitter accounts that say all the deals, and one of them was AirPods. I was like, is it time for me to pull the trigger on AirPods? And then I was like, no, I hate how they look. I still hate how they look. How far are we away from them just installing a speaker in your head? Let's go. Well, like uh, I think hearing aids now you can basically use as as headphones. I think I think that's possible. Like well, Bluetooth, I'm going to pay more attention Bluetooth to those commercials. That's going to be. That's going to be. I mean, <laughs> Mark says yes. Yeah, says yes. That's going to be sweet. <laughs> Anytime you're bored, some just plug it on your phone. You're like, oh, let's listen to the game now. Probably don't do that during the sermon. <laughs> yes, that's not what I meant. I swear. Seven o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. All right, welcome back. July 12, 2022, 61 degrees on a Tuesday morning, and uh, that means it's time to talk to Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, joining us on the Rick Stein Recognition Hotline. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing today? So if someone told you 10 days ago there's going to be a major upheaval between one of Nebraska's two major Republican parties, which would you have chosen? Yeah, I'd, probably not the one that is winning uh, everything, but, you know, it's it's interesting to get kind of a, a look inside to what is happening and and what has been happening, um, I, I I don't know. I've heard I've heard a lot of different perspectives on this, and I'm not not in the middle of it. But but you, you know, my assumption when I saw that these things were happening that was that this was really predominantly about Ricketts and Pillen versus Herbster, or you know somehow Trump was factoring in. But the more I hear some other people talk about it, they kind of act, talk about it being sort of a a lead up of event where people uh, of of various uh, various maybe not as not as vocal or maybe not as living in Lincoln or Omaha or something just feel like they they haven't been hearing their voices heard on a number of things. What's what's your perception of the the more, more general reason why why what happened happened? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, Jack, because yeah, I think there are several people in the party who did that they. For whatever reason, and there's a variety of reasons that they felt that, that they weren't being listened to. In effect, that, that Governor Pete Ricketts, whatever you know, he said goes, and then it was it, 
but the, the the cherry on top of all that was was the primary in which Governor Ricketts, you know, he didn't put his thumb on his scale. He put his entire body on the scale, coming out four pillin, and that the attack ads against Herbster and the attack ads against Lindstrom really lit a fire among a lot of people who felt that that was, you know, it's one thing to oppose someone. Uh, I don't think there was any initial problem with that, but with the attack ads hit, there were people in the, in the Herbster camp, uh, people in the, in the Lindstrom camp, and, and Republicans just in general didn't like that. It was clearly, a, in their view, a violation of, 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 of the, the Ronald Reagan 11th Amendment, don't speak ill of a fellow Republican. And they just thought it had gone way too far and in the end, they believe that the, what, what Jane Clev has been complaining about for years is, is this one-party rule uh, in, in Nebraska had become a one-man rule in Nebraska, Governor Ricketts. And they were furious about it. I spoke with the governor yesterday morning. He even acknowledged that he knows that there are a lot of people, maybe a lot's not the right word. He, he said there were several people, many people he knows, that didn't, didn't like what he did in the primary, but he felt that that was... You know, taking sides is the right thing to do. He knew that people were upset about the ads, which he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars putting behind. And in the end, you know, I've known Pete Ricketts for quite some time now. And, you know, one thing about Pete Ricketts, he, he, there's, no, there's, no, <laughs> there's nothing behind the curtain. He, he pretty much tells you what he is and what he's going to do, and he does it. Uh, so there aren't a lot of secrets. I mean, you know, I remember some during the primary there was talk about all this dark money. <laughs> Ricketts came out and said, "This isn't dark money. I'm putting money into these into these commercials. I'm, you know, there's no there's no hidden agenda here." And, he, and he's right. But in the end, what happened in, in Carney? Uh, and, and he disputes the fact that it was chaotic. I asked him about that yesterday, and he he, he says it was the process, not chaos. I'm, there may be some people who have a different p- opinion of that. But in the end, his uh, is my way or the highway position really backfired, but it took, you know, seven and a half years. He's getting ready to leave office and we'll go from there. Yeah. Did you, so and I saw in your, in, in your interview, you know, he basically said the, the rules were followed. The protocols were, were followed. I mean, in some ways this is, as you pointed out, kind of a repudiation of the way that he and, and his kind of team, the people around him, led the party, but does he seem, uh, I mean, basically at peace with this? He, I mean, he seems okay with it? What What, what do you think his, his real feelings are about this after talking to him? Well, certainly on the surface, he, he appears okay with it. What's, what's interesting is, you know, for, 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 for several years, I mean, he was writing checks for a variety of things, uh, you know, keeping the death penalty, uh, any number of candidates. Uh, and there was there was there were there were no complaints about that, but that's why I go back to to the negative ads because that was that was the one step too far that a lot of people felt that when he went after his fellow Republicans uh, to the extent that those ads did, uh, I mean there, there wasn't there wasn't hardly anybody in the state who didn't think that was the nastiest campaign that we've seen around here in years. And the fact that it was within the same party made it even more outrageous to many people. Um, but I, but I don't have any inkling that he has any second thoughts about the way that was handled. And he's and he's extremely confident, as I think a lot of Republicans are, that despite this disarray, uh, Jim Pillen will will win in November. Uh, the, because the choice is Jim Pillen or what they consider, you know, uh, a, a non-choice of, of, of Carol Blood. Obviously, the voters will make that decision, but but I don't see Republicans you know, running away from Pillen. And um, you know, in the end, 
you know, I think I saw something from, from Heinemann where he said in the end, a lot of this is inside baseball and, and it will come down to the candidates and people will choose in November. Uh, and, and we'll see by then, you know, and I don't, I don't expect any problem at that level. At the, at the, I, the governor's race is one thing, but there's, there's you know, um, the second district congressional race, does this have, does this have any there? Um, I'm not sure it doesn't. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see on some of these closer races how they play out. Yeah, well, isn't the big, I mean, uh, uh, maybe the down-ballot races are, are more si- significantly impacted, but it seems like the the biggest impact of whatever whatever that impact is will be felt, you know, next time you get to a primary season, right? I mean, and and I don't know what exactly primary, where that's going to manifest itself most, but that's kind of where you take a look to see how different it feels, right? Right. Years ago, Bob Kerry once told me something, and this was before he was really entrenched in politics, that, that, that it's, it's, you know, general elections are one thing, but it's primaries where you're basically up against your friends and your allies where things can get really, really dicey and have long-lasting effects. And I think that's, what, that's clearly what's happened here in the Republican Party is that, that you know, the, the people that you associate with, you know, in your own party, all of a sudden, you know, you're no longer friends. And uh, it, it's like losing a family member uh, that you're still going to see, you know, every, <laughs> every Thanksgiving, uh, who's no longer your buddy. So uh, the, the, the party, you know, I, I think in terms of the electoral process, they, they might be okay. But I do think that you're going to see some issues inside the party that, that, that are going to take a while to straighten out. And I, I don't think any of us really know what some of those things are. Is it going to be, is it going to be funding? Um, there may be some issues there. Uh, you know, I mean, the biggest issue, of course, when Governor Ricketts is leaving off, is, is he going to contribute to, to the party as he has in the past? Given everything that's just happened, I think that's a huge question that's kind of laying out there. Well, yeah, and and, and that's what I thought about when I when I uh, saw your piece. You know, there's there's a part of it like, well, what was his plan anyway? I mean, he's out of office in a few months. I'm not sure what he has his sights set on next, but it's something. I don't know how involved he would or wouldn't have been in that you know in that kind of that role and he wouldn't be the governor anymore which to some degree is sort of the head of the of the party so mm-hmm. I, I i mean i just don't know how much of a difference this made for him it might have but i'm not sure well and i think the uh, the other question is there's a uh, clearly lots of speculation that he's that he wants to run for president uh and has higher and uh, or and or other higher aspirations i'm not sure what, what it would be besides being president but that he has other aspirations once he leaves office i mean he's he's said he wants to stay involved in politics and policy uh how would how does this whole development over the past week or so affect that future of his going forward does it uh does it so does it spike his plans to be president if that is his plan? I, you know, there's a lot of unknowns out here. Yeah. But but in the end, I mean, the sense is that that I get from hearing people who are there or who are who have been more deeply entrenched in this than I have, that this isn't particularly about policy for the most part. Right. I, I guess right. it's more about candidates. I'm, I'm not sure. Like, where are these people who aren't being heard? Is it is, is it generally just about I mean, you go back to Palm Tag and Slama, you, can get, you know, obviously the gubernatorial race that we talked about. But I don't really hear much about differences in in policy positions. Do you? No, I think it's I think it's mostly this is the politics of, 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 of personal uh, and not and not policy. And as I said, for, for for the longest time, people didn't mind how Ricketts was spending his money when they felt that it when they when they agreed with it. But 
when he put his, when he put that money into the primary and the attack ads that we've never seen anything like before against uh, against Herbster and Lindstrom, uh, that brought everything to a new level. And 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 you know people can say it was about a lot of things, but it, but without that without that primary fight, what Carney wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, had, had the governor either stayed out of it or certainly not gone in, all in as he did, I don't think we would have had. We, I don't think we would have had Carney as we as we saw it. Then again, Pillar might not have been gov- might not be the gubernatorial nominee by the Republican Party either. Had Ricketts uh, not get, gotten behind those ads, so it kind of cuts both ways. Yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, if if Pillen ends up winning the gubernatorial race, how he you know as the sort of the de facto head of the party as the governor is, how he how he does that differently than Ricketts? What kind of influence Ricketts still has? Because I mean, obviously on its face, Pillen seems like a a, a very different type type of leader in that way for a lot of reasons you know on the financial situation all of all of those then ricketts would have been and so it'll be fascinating joe to just kind of see how this all how this all uh, comes out when you have potentially a a totally a different governor who's sort of the head of the party essentially well as we since the primary since his victory in the primary jim pillen has been you know missing in action i mean you barely even know he's out there and I even heard some conservatives over the last couple of days saying this is his, this is a great opportunity for Pillen to step forward and talk about how he's going to not only heal, uh, you know, keep the state on, on the right course, but how he's going to heal the GOP. And this, this will be a time for him to step up. But there's been radio silence, as far as I know, from from the Pillen campaign. Now, keep in mind that the, the people who just now left the, the Nebraska GOP as is, many of those people are part of the Pillen campaign. So uh, it's it's an interesting situation where you've got all these people, uh, the the pro pillin people uh, are no longer part of the party that they, that they yeah that, they, that they're all in the same both with together. It's it's pretty odd. Yeah, and, and again, I mentioned the down ballot, right? but to me, the most interesting immediate sort of legacy of of this is going to be if and how it impacts legislative races because you know we both know that they're the makeup of that legislature coming into next year is going to be very significant for a number of issues with so many of these contentious issues so close and i think you got a handful of races that are out there that could could kind of sway it one way or the other i i mean do you agree that that's probably on on those legislative races the most impactful way this is or is not going to to impact what the immediate political future looks like Yes, and and there, you're right. Because because a couple of votes either way could give the GOP the, the, a solid 33, maybe even 34 votes, uh, which obviously is always needed to overcome the filibuster and get legislation through. In the immediate term, I'm wondering, uh, you know, this whole thing about a special session is it, it seems like it's, uh, we've heard nothing about, about it for that. quite some time, Jeez. and I wonder if this sort of ends that discussion because there's so many people. Uh, you know, he, 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 the governor would need 33 votes to, to get something passed. And given the consternation within the party right now, I'm not sure that you can bring those people together for a, for a special session and, uh, and the Republicans get what they want because there's so, there's so many uh, ill feelings right now. And you, they've got to be affecting many of those state senators as well. So I, I think my my gut tells me that the special session is really teetering to, to not happen, and, and 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 Republicans will wait till 
uh, wait till January to see if they wanted what they could do yeah. on, on the abortion issue. But we, we heard so little about the special session. I just think this might really might be the death knell for it right now. But, uh, but like I always said, I've been wrong before, but we'll see. Yeah, I'd, I'd kind of honestly forgot forgotten about that for some reason, but it'll be fascinating to see what happens with that. All right. Hey, I'm out of time, Joe. Always appreciate the conversation. Look forward to doing it again. Have a great rest of your week. All right. You too, Jack. Thank you. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. 724, we'll take a break. Sports is next on KLIN. All right, let's get things going, starting with number five. Well, as Joe Jordan and you talked uh, just a few minutes ago, and Joe uh, told you about his conversation with Governor Ricketts in the wake of the convention this past weekend and the leadership change. The governor uh, acknowledged to Joe many of the upstarts were likely unhappy with Ricketts' attack on two GOP candidates for governor, Charles Herbster and State Senator Brett Lindstrom. He also indicated the processes followed were proper and the situation wasn't chaotic. Uh, Jack, um surprised that the governor was a little more upset or didn't speak out against uh, yeah, that? Yeah, and he also I mean, went on his statewide radio show and uh, said the same things. The rules were followed. The change was done appropriately here at at this point i'm not sure well number one was as i talked about with joe is you know he's on his way out as governor and kind of that de facto uh, symbolic head of the party highest ranking highest ranking elected official and so to some degree and i don't know what his it's hard because you don't know what his future is or what he's got in mind as his future. Is his it political his future. political future? Is it to continue? You know, if he if he was seeking as as some have speculated something that's more of a, a federal position, whatever that is in an administration and actually run or a run at president or or vice president or something like that, you would think that perhaps changes his level of interest in being you know kind of the the kingmaker in in nebraska politics right i mean i well, yeah I, but- I i would suppose so i mean perhaps and this is just a theory here but perhaps it's kind of like well you know i'm on the way out here things were going to change no matter what and so burning bridges on the way out probably doesn't do anything particularly for me or for jim pillen who i support and Right, and, and Pillen will still be in that office, assuming he wins, and um, and I assume there's some influence there, which might be as valuable as anything. Well, yeah, your your point about him supporting uh, Pillen, he certainly doesn't need to rile up the party anymore by being uh, critical of the party, right? And going right. into this election, so yeah, what what could that do? I mean, right. could that? Could that um, embolden even more, so, like some of these writing candidates and the support that goes along with with a writing candidate here, which he's kind of said isn't going to be a big deal, and I I kind of doubt it will be too. And and the threats and and even uh, the initial steps being taken form a third party. You know, yeah. this kind of thwarts that a little bit. Yeah, is that something that there are serious conversations about? Uh, I don't know how serious they are, but you know, this would seem to heal a few wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess a long, long way of answering your question. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess behind the scenes, people aren't, people aren't happy. People in his camp aren't happy. The people who stepped down aren't happy with this. But you know, you, you, you started to be able to see it coming to some degree. And it was interesting. I listened to uh, Aaron Sandiford's interview with Commander Jack last night, and you know, I had, I had kind of 
sort of assumed, maybe not rightfully so, that this was really just all about um, Herbster versus Ricketts and uh, and Pillen and Trump versus non-Trump and, and that sort of thing. But he kind of said in, in talking to people and being there, Aaron said this, you know, that it's, it goes back to some other things, you know, Lindstrom, what happened with Lindstrom? What happened with Palm Tag Slama? It always comes back to Palm Tag Slama. And, and actually, some of those candidates where you know, Rick was Ricketts was. I guess you could argue on the on the right, the not the correct side, but the right side politically of. You know, when you look at Lindstrom or Palm, Palm Tag's a Democrat now, right? Right. So, um, yeah, well, so maybe it's a little. So maybe there's a little bit more nuance. It's more generally about a the 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 rank and file of the party should have more more say and shouldn't have their decisions made for them um, by by the party and and the control and the the financial situation. Now, the downside of that is of course it did produce dollars. That one races. That now the primaries might not have gone how the rank some of the rank and file might have liked it to happen, but yeah, you know, a situation where Democrats aren't even running for office for statewide offices. <laughs> Which I mean, maybe kicking the the Democratic Party probably kicking themselves now for that because Shoot, I mean, if there was ever a chance to, you know, to to make some ground, make up some ground, perhaps it would be when there's this sort of conflict within the other party. But alas, there's no one on the ballot in a bunch of these races. Yeah. Aaron, uh, in his story that posted, uh, I think it was this morning or late last night, um, on this deal, he he actually, uh, I think, talked to uh, former Governor Dave Heineman. And Heineman, uh, he's quoted in saying, um, well, he, he said most Republican voters in general are not paying a lot of attention it's to true. Inter- internal conflict. That's true. Him. He said, quote, they've heard what happened over the weekend, but it doesn't affect their daily life. True. At the end of the day, most voters look at the candidates who are running, end quote. I agree which, with him. Which, that kind of says it all. Maybe there is, this is uh, a little more... Not as much to do with the rank and file as it is a few activists. Yeah, perhaps, I mean, perhaps, and I agree. And I agree with him to the degree. You know, when you're looking at the gubernatorial race, I don't think it's swaying a ton of no. the potential pillin voters who are going to change their mind because this. I, I I do think the interesting thing though is what I talked about is is what happens on the doubt down ballot races, especially legislative races, just in terms of what kind of an infrastructure you're able to put forth to get them get them elected in potentially competitive districts that where one flip one way or the other could make a huge difference in but, this upcoming session. But remember, even uh, Eric Underwood's quite uh, has been active in the GOP and politics for a long, long time. Right. There's not going to be a huge gap here in in getting. But there might be a gap in the dough that's available. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, follow the money. But you were right yesterday. It's not a lot about policies. It seems like it's more about uh, personalities here. Yep. Number four. COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations rising once again. Getting numbers up there that are a little uncomfortable. 246 new cases Saturday through Monday. 47 people hospitalized. 38 of those Lancaster County residents. And at least one back on a ventilator. Is that... On a ventilator. So that was Saturday through Monday. Like, I'm used to the single-day numbers and kind of... So Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So that's, you know, what, 75, 75 80 a day. Yeah, something like that, um, yeah. 
in, in but, that range, which is a little higher than it's than yeah, it's, it's been at it's that just, point. It, the trend is higher. And, yeah, and hospitalizations is a pretty big jump in the number. I mean, we were in the low 30s a couple of days ago. Okay. Now we're up to 47. And and it seems it seems like over the last two weeks, I've found I've I've just had acquaintances, friends, people I know who've got it more way more frequently than than had had since like january january february it just seems like there's a lot of people i know who have it and they've had very completely varied experiences it feels like too some have said it's been mild kind of a cold feel a little sick some have said man it really hit me hard uh, well, that's none been, of the people I know have been hospitalized, though. So. Right, and that's basically what's happened here at Broadcast House. We've had a number of uh, colleagues yep. uh, out with it over the past month. Everybody says I'm going to keep jinxing it, but taking my the, vitamins. E- the immune triumvirate right here. So far, so good. I think good. most of this is real wood, right? I think that's <laughs> yeah. Whatever. We're not. But we don't need it. We don't need. We don't need any kind of superstition. We need just our great immune systems. By the power of three. Am I going to generation gonna, collaboration gonna, on, on G? <laughs> I am going to that, talk. That's actually the real immunity. You have to have three <laughs> generations working in close proximity. Yes, we've got. Yes, we've got all of the best superpowers of each of us that come together in our bodies, right, and and form whatever has been going I mean, on. With I, the, I was raised on all of these vaccines. You were raised on beer cans that opened because you had to rip off the entire top of it. And Mark is from the original smallpox epidemic. That's right. <laughs> played in eight in the mud. Uh, played in the mud. Eight mud. Eight glue. I think if I ever get it, people are going to taunt me because they th- they're going to say I brought it on myself. I don't believe in that. I don't believe that's I don't believe that's how the world works. So no, our, I can say our, it as much as I want. Our power of three is too much for COVID. Yes. <laughs> The COVID immunity trinity. <laughs> Number three. That's your three rounds right there. Uh, Car Hinge Alliance receives thousands of visitors a year. Uh, not long ago, Mila Kunis and Ashton, Ashton Kutcher showed up. What no, are they you going? said it right the first time. Mila. Mila. What? No, I was going with Ashton Kutcher. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What are what what exactly are they doing there? They went to visit. He wanted to see the original Vista Cruiser. He said. <laughs> uh, he posted social media. Uh, they were out there on the sixth. So, I've been to Carhenge. It, it's it's something. That's, to, I, that's what I would say. It you is, gotta go. It's something. I, I will tell you, they have the coldest soda. They, they've got that. <laughs> what? They've got that machine set down. So what everyone's the, visiting the, for. The, the Coke in the Coke, uh, uh, you know, it's like, not a dispenser. It's like a, man, that's cold. Is it a, like a pop machine you put money in? or no, is it a? you open it and then pay for it at the counter. <laughs> Maybe that's why they went. I need a cold pop. I heard. And I bet Ashton says cold because he's from Iowa. Or it says pop because he's from Iowa. Yeah, I heard they had the coldest pop. Uh, yes, uh, but the, this apparently in, in the uh, Journal Star article about this, uh, or is the Scotts Bluff Star Herald article about this? Apparently, TripAdvisor had, had given some recognition to Carhenge because it gets such high ratings on the uh, on the website. So it's got a it got a Traveler's Choice Award, which they announced in a release. I'm just surprised. it was something. I mean, yeah. I don't. It was yeah. there was, we were out doing kind of a trip of. Of different parts of Nebraska, and I guess it's something, you know, it's something you do once. 
I'm not dying to do it again, but if I'm in the area, I'll definitely check it out. Walk the little paths out to the... I like that old Cadillac that's sitting there, trunk half buried. People give it great reviews online, though. I mean, TripAdvisor's really buttering them up here with the awards year after year. Number two. Elon Musk, Donald Trump, the battle of the billionaires. Yeah, Musk responded to Trump. Uh, at a Anchorage, Alaska rally uh, over the weekend, uh, Trump called Musk a bovine excrement artist. Excrement artist. Huh. Oh, okay. Well, he used the no, more, I get it. the more common. Yeah, I, I, I would it. have liked him to say it that way, though. I get it. I get it. And so, so Musk responds on Twitter to what Trump said in Alaska, right? Yeah. He and says he does. He says he doesn't hate Trump, but said he should be done. He should get out of politics. And says the maximum age for a president should be sixty-nine. Yeah, and he also said Democrats should call off the attack because that he thinks that's the only way that Trump is 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 uh, is to survive is to regain the uh, the president the presidency. So basically, he's afraid that Democrats are going to force him to to try and seek the office once again he's a desantis guy though is this the first salvo is this the first salvo in the trump desantis divide i mean i get it desantis isn't directly involved but can you imagine is this is this the divide that is going to be the next story this is, I mean, is this going to make the Unicenter and Carney look like uh, Kumbaya? <laughs> it could be. I, I can see the ticket now. Musk DeSantis. Oh, cool. Well, why don't we bring a full circle again? DeSantis placed a call to his friend in Nebraska, perhaps, his fellow governor. Say, you, you interested? You interested in a running mate? Now he's going to get away. He'll get gnome, right? He'll, he'll, yeah, go, yeah, for, he'll go for a woman, sure. right? We'll see. Or Nikki Haley. Musk also said the legal maximum age to start a presidential term should be 69. Yeah, you know. You, you know what? I, you know I what? will agree with Elon on this. I'm ready to go in a younger direction as well. Here's the thing. For the presidency. That's playing the long term. Think back to President Obama. If you want to make sure that people can't start a term... If their birthday is going to be coming up and they're going to be older than 69, you got to have those birth certificates. <laughs> Elon Musk playing the long game here. Yeah, what is that? And th- and this guy, we were talking about this at the beginning of the show, and we got into looking at ages. I thought DeSantis was a lot older than he was. He's younger than you. He's 43. He's younger than me. I had no idea. He's almost a millennial. Almost. He's close to a millennial, and here we are. On the verge of the X's getting just skipped again for something. Oh no! I mean, if they if they get him or they get uh, uh, Buttigieg is the Democrat. Uh, I mean, we're basically we're skipping the X's. Them's the breaks. <laughs> Them's the breaks. Thanks, former Prime Minister. No, he's still there. Oh, oh yeah, for now. Yeah, soon to be foreign Prime Minister. Number one. Ready for prime time for hordes yeah. of Amazon customers? Answer yes. Two days sale. Uh, by the way, uh, Better Business Bureau just came out with a, an alert just before I walked into the studio for this. Uh, they say be aware of scams. This is a big time online scam 
time of the year as well. So, so what? Like, how do I, how do I avoid? That? Just don't I mean, click links on Twitter or what? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's all these. There are all these deals sites that I follow on Twitter, though, that I think get a commission mm-hmm. when they when they sell these things. These sites go nuts on this day. They've got everything. And I'll be honest. I've been going through with Caleb and looking at some electronics that I don't really need but kind of want, and I've been tempted, but I just, if I buy another pair of Bluetooth uh, earbuds. There's a really sweet meat thermometer pocket watch combo. Meat thermometer (laughs) pocket watch? Yeah, it's $15.99. Finally! (laughs) I've been looking for a meat thermometer pocket. Bluetooth. (laughs) Oh, I see. You mean... Is it digital? Yeah. But it's a pocket watch? Yes. So you just pull it out of your... Yeah, no, like no. old school out of the best. You, it must have a probe and it shows up on your watch. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I, that, I get that. But, huh. Yeah, I don't no, know. You, you stick your hand on the grill and look <laughs> the infrared. I saw... Hot enough for you? I, they had one of those back massagers. I was like, oh, that'd be nice on my chair. I know. I got to just... I got to stay away. I do not need... Go get puppy stuff. That's why I can't get anything is because the puppy has sapped all of our <laughs> all of our discretionary spending. <laughs> you know how much those stupid chew sticks cost? Yes. Holy cow. It's stopping you from buying another Bluetooth speaker. Oh my gosh. So twenty bucks for a pack of sticks? Pride? Come on. Seven fifty six son. Inflation. K L I N. Yeah. All right, welcome back. 64 degrees in the capital city. 811 on this Tuesday morning, July 12, 2022. Joining us today is Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, Jason. How are you doing? I am fantastic. How's your Jack? summer you going, been? by the way? Fast. It's going fast. <laughs> yeah. we, we, uh, we lit money on fire all of the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> Did it you? It was great. Yeah, That's yeah. good. My kids had a great time. That's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was actually tame. It was actually tame, I thought, this summer. I don't know why, or this 4th of July. I don't know why exactly. I don't know if it was inflation or the fact that it fell on a Monday, but I don't know if you had the true Lincoln Fourth of July experience. We, this we time lit around. up a stellar Third of July. Yeah, uh, that's, this year. I that's think really that, what I we think did. that happened. Yeah. Now it's really nice when when the uh, president of the Chamber of Commerce comes in and and you can when when they walk in deliver them good news that has been fairly recently released because uh, I had I had got this yesterday. I found it or saw it. I can't even remember where I I saw it. But uh, U.S. News and World Report. Uh, came out with their best places to live ranking, and uh, and they do this based on metrics of desirability, value, job market, quality of life, net migration. You can you can look at all, but we've talked about rankings before and the value, and you know the grain of salt maybe you take with them sometimes. Yeah. But U.S. News and World Report. I mean, people still look at their college list all the time mm-hmm. for for better or for worse. And Lincoln gets twenty uh, eighth on here. By the way, exactly one spot above Omaha. On this thing, but you, you, uh, I'm just notifying you this, uh, uh, about this now. Uh, your reaction when you see Lincoln 28th and they did 150 metro areas and Lincoln gets 28th. Yeah. I, well, look, I, one, I think that's an entirely reliable, appropriate ranking by U.S. News and World okay, Report. Good. Putting, putting, putting Lincoln in the top quartile of places to be in the U.S. That's, that's entirely appropriate. And it would just be ungentlemanly of me to compare us to Omaha. So I'm not going to comment on that directly. <laughs> that's fine. You are 
yeah, also in the, uh, the 99th percentile of people to ever say quartile on KMIA. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not a word. It's it's not a word that we hear very often. You know, it is interesting because Lincoln got bolstered the most in all of their little uh, metrics that they used uh, was by v- something called value index, mm-hmm. uh, which is they also call the housing affordability index. It, it measures how comfortably the average resident of each metro can afford to live within their means. So they compare median annual household income with the housing costs in each metro area and so it's i mean that's the formula essentially but i'm just i'm i'm just there's so much we've talked about the housing market a lot interesting to see lincoln come out as that being something that really bolstered it within these rankings well look when when more seriously when you get into studies like these um and they're they're using the measurements that you listed off and so many of them have to do with the issues that directly impact our quality of life and what it's like to live here and and affordability and i know affordability in particular there's probably some folks out there rolling their eyes going oh my gosh everything's so much less affordable than it is now and they're right uh, things are changing, but in other cities, it is demonstrably worse based on this data. Yeah. And I'm sure for those affordability ratings, they, they use that. These are the things we already know about Lincoln. The schools are solid. It's a safe community to be in. It's, it's got so many public amenities that we just enjoy. Uh, you know, whether that's, that's trails or sports, uh, events that we get to go to. There is so much right now going on in Lincoln that is just exciting for our future. And, and studies like this bear that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to get to, to what you were saying, Lincoln also did well on the quality of life index. That was their second highest score, and that computes crime rates, quality and availability of health care, quality of education, well-being, which they have share care as a well-being index that they use for that, commuter index, average commute time, and air quality index. And that's how that's what all factored in to get Lincoln where they were on quality of life. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, something I'm sure you're you're glad to hear. Look, it's uh, it's better than coming in and getting bad yeah. news uh, and bad uh, questions. How about number too. one being Huntsville, Alabama? Who knew Huntsville, Alabama? The, the best kept secret in the U.S. Apparently, I, d- I didn't. And I mean, uh, the big space town in in the '60s, but apparently, this is uh, a place to go. You know, is it? Uh, I'm just going to go down because these are interesting. You're probably curious yeah. who's at the top: Huntsville, Alabama, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Yeah. Nice Green Bay, Green Bay, huh? Boulder, Boulder's always up there on these things. San Jose, California, Raleigh and Durham, North Carolina, they're Mm -hmm. always on there. In Mm -hmm. fact, Lincoln got a bunch of uh, sort of inspiration for its innovation campus for uh, the site they had at Raleigh, Durham. Fayetteville, Arkansas, Portland, Maine, Sarasota, Florida, San Francisco. San Francisco is number 10? Still in there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to see the mix. Like Washington, D.C. was high, was higher than um, Lincoln. Um, Des Moines right up in that area as well. It's interesting to see that these studies come up with some, like you, I'd assume big cities don't do very well in these things, but some do. Some do, actually. Yeah. So really it, fascinating. It, you know what, what, what I find interesting is, is people are just looking for different experiences, mm-hmm. right? And there, and there, there's so much opportunity. Uh, right now in America, economically, that, that you can still pick and choose wh- uh, where you want to be. I think some of that influences uh, what goes on in these these studies and information. But again, the, I think the big picture peeling back from that is the economy, the quality of life in Lincoln, the education system that undergirds that, the, the, the size of community that we are. Um, there's so many benefits to being here. 
that for folks that are looking for for the lifestyle we offer, this is an awesome fit. And there are a lot of people out there that would. Does love that? Do you find that? Uh, I mean, I'm sure everybody thinks they've got good quality of life, and their chamber of commerce does at least to some degree. Like, how do you convey? How do you uh, sell that to to whoever that that you're trying to do that? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I. I believe those things. I yeah. know those things because I live there. But is that easy to convey to people? Is it we got great schools or we got you know great healthcare system? That's it, it is easy to convey to people. I think um, it, businesses are looking at it through a different lens. They got to make the business case for why they're going to locate anywhere and what they're going to do. But um, you, you know, for people, when you're having those one-on-one conversations, you just ask them what look. What are you looking for mm-hmm. out, out of your community? Obviously, if they want to go snow skiing every day in the winter, I think it's probably not going to be an ideal. Uh, fit for them right, right? right. Uh, but if if they've got an an outside lifestyle and they love to be say on on the bike or if they're they're really passionate about uh, youth sports and collegiate sports, right? Lincoln is, is a great town to be in. Uh, if you're excited about getting involved, uh, with a philanthropy or, or leading in a company at a young age or, or becoming a community leader at a young age, right? Lincoln, Lincoln has so much to offer. And the thing that I just revel in, you know, I, I came running into the studio here right, right on time today. Um, <laughs> But I didn't have to worry about traffic slowing me down 45 minutes. Right. And then the, and coming out of the Austin Metro, that's a real guesswork calculation that you need to do every day. Yeah. So, so people are looking for different things out of their, out of their lifestyle. And I think that drives a lot of this for us. Lincoln punches above its weight every let, time. Let me ask you about that. We had some news last week about this looking for a second source of water and the city's getting into that yeah. process. They've been in that process. I know there are a couple of options, whether it's building a new essentially pipeline or, or tapping into one at, at that point. Um, Obviously, you need water. I mean, I, that, that's not rocket science, essentially. But why is what does this kind of process mean for the, for the future and the decisions that are made when it comes to which way to go on this? Well, look, I, I want to give credit to to the mayor and uh, other community leaders that are involved in this for putting this group together, um, and and the chamber also. Uh, worked with our state legislative delegation and others from the city to re- receive an ARPA allocation through the state ARPA allocation of, I think, $20 million to fund this study mm-hmm. uh, to do it. And, and, and I don't want folks that may be hearing this for the first time to panic. Your, your tap is going to work. We have uh, water coverage for about uh, 20, 25 years, so it's not like we're, we're running out tomorrow, right? Right. Um, things are fine. No, no need to start saving water. Um, but we have to think long term. Um, 25 years ago, if you can think what this city, uh, looked like, mm-hmm. it was, it was a fundamentally different town and we have grown a lot 25 years from now, we're going to want to continue that, that growth. And, and hopefully we will have exciting studies like this to talk about again. Um, we have to get out ahead of this issue because it will not be a, a cheap problem to fix. No mm-hmm. All of our options are expensive, sadly. Mm-hmm. And, and the chamber is going to go out once one is, is determined uh, you know, determine how best to, to fund that. But um, if we want to see business continue to expand, we've got to be able to serve that with water. This data center conversation that's been hanging around uh, Lincoln for several yeah. years now, uh, if we want to see more of that type of tech activity happen, we've got to have water. If we want to be able to accommodate housing growth and new housing starts, which is a, a still a current conversation going on here, we've got to be able to service that with water. 
all of that comes to a grinding halt if we have uh, risks due to natural disaster, which is what we went through a few years ago, um, or if we just over exceed our capacity. And mm-hmm. it's the capacity issue that really has has my attention. So we've got a staff member on that group that the mayor has has convened, as well as the chair of the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development. Well, yeah, because it's a pretty non-controversial position to say <laughs> we need water, you know, to yeah, b- yeah. before we run out at yeah. this point. But like, uh, you've got a representative that's that's part of the process. This, well, you know what things what things is it from a chamber perspective are you looking at when it comes to to that process exactly well uh, jack you're exactly right to point out it's not controversial now but uh, no one's rolled out here's what we think it's going to cost true and that's when the that's true. controversy is really going to uh, jump up and so the thing that the chamber is watching for is uh, you know one will it serve the needs of business and industry will it serve the needs of a, a growing economy and, and by that in this case i mean a, a, a growing population base mm-hmm. right um and then how do we fund it appropriately and that that funding is going to take a lot of people pulling in the same direction um again i don't know what the numbers are going to be i don't have uh, any sort of advanced look at this but any guesstimates that i've i've heard about uh, you know, we're talking about financing that's that's going to probably exceed local capabilities. Again, I don't want to scare people. We're going to find solutions. We've mm-hmm. already been in touch with our uh, federal delegation about these conversations. Uh, hopefully, the feds will be able to step in with some resources. Um, I think we will have to have a conversation with state delegation. I think our, our uh, local state uh, legislators will be amenable to having those conversations with us. Money isn't growing on trees. So we have to get out ahead of this. Are there going to be more? More? Con- are we going to hit kind of a limit with some of our other infrastructure things? You know, with the the way that the city is is grown, whether it's electrical or internet or or any of the these other things. You know, where are the next conversations? And I'm not. I don't even need. I'm not even asking necessarily specifics where you know where Lincoln is on those things or if they're right coming around the pike. But how significant are those further infrastructure conversations? Do you think going to be you know during your tenure here uh, I, well jack i've mentioned on the air here that we're getting into strategic planning later and this mm-hmm. this exact conversation is is part of what we're getting into now so we've we're talking there's a lot of conversation right now about how do we get infrastructure to and beyond the south beltway that just went in we've got an east beltway that's twice as long as the south beltway that we need to to have a plan for that's that's looking uh, further out we've got uh flood control and some water uh mitigation issues on on the west side of town uh that we've got got to get out ahead of all of that is 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 hitting i think on the things you're talking about Mm -hmm. and all of those really require a couple things some some partnerships um some development of some shared priority setting again Mm -hmm. that's partially the reason why we're getting into strategic planning is we want to know what the chamber feels our priorities on Mm -hmm. that and what the business community feels uh priorities should be and then we got to make some tough choices and people are going to have different opinions about that and that's what the the public process is what's your read on sort of how cities deal with uh, just cities across the country deal with internet issues i mean in in lincoln most of us have a you know a private provider there's got to be infrastructure and those sorts of things what's the future of that look like like how much does is like the municipality and those sorts of things do you think going to be i mean is it going to be looked at like a utility kind of like we, we look at other ones I, I i i'm just kind of broadly what the future is and what you see kind of in other communities is 
I mean, I'm sure uh, you you hear all about it being such an important part of infrastructure right now. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and again, here's where I want to jump in and remind everybody that that Lincoln is way, way, way ahead of the curve when it comes to internet and connectivity and fiber uh, and internet speeds compared to uh, just about everywhere else in the nation. Right. We're no, we're number Good. two in reliability in that system. Um, so we're we're in a great place now. Yes, I do think that. Uh, um, Policymakers are going to continue to view that more and more uh, like a, a component of public infrastructure. And I think the providers have viewed it that way for a long time, too. Um, and so it, communities are going to be continuing to find ways to compete on that. So mm-hmm. L- Lincoln right now, we're in, a, we're in a great spot with it. I haven't had a, a single business you know, uh, tell me that they're, they're concerned about downtime or provider uh, diversity and things like that. But... That took intentionality. Uh, You go back 15 years, that was a pain point. And if you were Mm -hmm. transmitting large portions of data or needed a fiber connection and and needed cost, there were some limitations inherently in the system. So it's taken a lot of investment to get us there. It's going to continue. And it's still a huge state issue in the rural areas as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, Yeah. it's it's just interesting to kind of think about that. Well, uh, speaking of the uh, South Beltway, I drove, I was driving out to Hickman the other day. I looked over it and I dreamed of driving up and down the south beltway it's been years decades in the making we're almost there a few more months let's let's have a celebrity first drive there we go uh, with klin jack can lead the charge that'd be fun that piece of roadway that'd be very good hey great to talk to you jason i appreciate it congrats on the good ranking there say 26 we'll take a break it's lnk today with jack and friends on klin before you hit that drive time stay alert with nitro cold brew coffee from broken rail beverage company this is 1,499.3 KLIN. Waking babies in the North Bottoms and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. So Baylor takes so much time off in between his appearances that we have a basically a new conference in volleyball and other yes. university sports that we need to talk about my theme is quality not quantity (laughs) that's good that's what we like that's what we like so i'm trying to deliver today yes usc and ucla i suspected it would happen and here it has happened (laughs) well yeah you've been dropping in oh he's been telling us off the air for a year this is this is right on the verge of happening we never believed you they came here to play us in like oh five oh six and football i'm like i bet they'll be in our conference someday Uh, I think we'll join the Big Ten, and then they'll follow us. Uh, so before we get into like the volleyball implications of this, just the larger, like, do you, as as somebody who's covered college sports and enjoyed college yes. sports for so many years, and football is driving all of this, are you bracing for some kind of a catastrophe, and especially the college football world of mega conferences that's going to ruin everything? There's a, that sentiment's definitely out there. Well, I mean, they were using words out there in the press like. Uh, uh, chaotic, uh, a lot of uncertainty, instability, but we're not Kansas State. We're not Oregon State or Washington State. I mean, boy, think of how Nebraska's position has evolved in yes. the last 15 years. Yes. I mean, we went from being equated with Kansas State, which is a great university, by the way, uh, in many respects, to suddenly being equated with USC, UCLA, Michigan, Wisconsin, my goodness, Penn State, Iowa, this is a huge upgrade in image and 
opportunity academically and uh, as far as research dollars, but also I think athletically. I mean, we're going to be on the same field every other year at least with USC and the sport of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you, how much do conferences factor into academics, or does academics factor into whatever's driving the changes right now? Because I assume it's all college football and dollars for TV contracts. But w- what role does academics play in this sort of discussion? Fairly minimal is my guess. Although if you're a conference and you're inviting a school in, you've got to make sure they align. Especially somewhat. the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. Big Ten. You got, you got to align. So you're right. Because, I mean, there's not a weak link academically in the Big Ten. These are really strong academic institutions, research, dollars, rankings, all those happy things. So, yeah, they've got to be a little careful. But, you know, in the Big West or the Big 12, is at this point, you know, schools like Kansas are in a, in a, in a vastly disadvantaged situation. Uh, in part because they're offering basketball, but they're offering academics, and right now you don't have a lot of takers. Yeah, like wh- what if you're Iowa State right now, right? I mean, you, there's a, there are a handful of power yeah. conference schools, um, the, the leftovers for the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the ACC, potentially, all that I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what happens with them. It's a scary time no, for, but, for them. I mean, who think- wants a conference with Oregon State, Washington State, and Utah? And I mean, well, Utah's a major market. Okay, but, and uh, but you could you could do that with a variety of yeah. groups of schools now. But yeah, geographically, it's not connected with a lot of school. Uh, you know, University of Colorado is a major market. Louisville is a major market, and they've never been welcomed in. Right to a, to a, a big conference, so right. you know Notre Dame. It's a fascinating chessboard uh, right now, and I I think there are very influential people, maybe with Nebraska roots at Stanford and uh, other places that are making sure that Stanford, Oregon, Washington, and what's the school in Colorado are not going to be left out because those are four plums, and I'd say Utah potentially as well. Those are five schools, so maybe they stay together, but. To think that they might be left out right now is is probably short-lived. They'll find a place. Is Notre Dame eventually going to pull the trigger and go somewhere and quit this independent thing? It just seems really difficult when they're making 15. they they, they got to go solo. Uh, the, 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 the football TV money just doesn't seem to be sufficient because they're getting like $15 million is what I read in football TV money from NBC. Well, Big Ten schools are doing 50. Yeah. 5 It's a huge gap. Now, there are right. other opportunities in other sports that Notre Dame has, big donors and all that, but I don't think it's sustainable long-term. It used to long-term. make sense TV-wise because you you had an individual yeah. contract with NBC and you weren't splitting it 10 ways or 12 ways or, or 14 ways. Great point. But when you talk about this new TV contract, when yeah. it's going to be a billion dollars divided up, that's a, that, that value isn't there for Notre Dame anymore. And if Notre Dame could figure out how to always get in the Final Four in football and get so they don't have to split that huge check, maybe, but that's yeah. no guarantee. So the, probably the safer way to go is for them to join a conference, and geographically they fit perfectly with the Big Ten. Well, I, I mean, I, it, it from reporting and just kind of my intuition on this, I feel like the Big Ten now is just going to wait and wait till mm-hmm. that shoe drops, essentially. And then if and when it does, then you, you figure out some of that other stuff and as you well. You have to think, but, how big is too big? 
And we were already 14. These are fascinating questions. There's really it smart is, well, people thinking about no, it. No, it is, because the funny thing about it uh, is, JB, that like you'll get these huge conferences that are you know obviously too big to play in football, at least, everyone every, every yep. single year. And so then what do you do? You regionalize, regionalize yep. them, and then you've got the Big Eight again or something like that, right? It's <laughs> But Nebraska's in the captain's chair. In Lincoln, Nebraska, we are absolutely in the captain's chair. Schools like Washington and Seattle. Yeah. Are coming presumably to the Big Ten and asking, "Will you take us?" And here we are in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we're in, and we're yeah. we're getting a full share. It's yeah. pretty. Does this? Do you think this? Uh, there are still the doubters about going. I thought there was a letter to the editor today about should have stayed in the Big Twelve. Does this validate everything about that decision in in your mind? If there were any doubts left, uh, absolutely. Just imagine if you were down in Manhattan, Kansas, right now, or you were in Ames, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Or Stillwater. It's a scary time. You, you're effectively, you know, kind of one B right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got one A schools and you got one B schools, and you know, schools like Indiana and you know the schools that you think of at least as equals in many respects are in a, a much more advantageous yeah. situation, image wise, but more importantly, financially. Yeah. Think of Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. talk about being in the right place at the right time. Great point. I mean, they're a misfit, when at least when it comes to the sport of football, but they're getting that huge SEC check every year, and that's funding all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Funding the heck out of their baseball team. That's true. Funding the heck out of that guy who whistles constantly during their game. <laughs> that's actually where all oh, that TV that is funding goes to the whistler. That is the worst. <laughs> so kudos to those who saw ahead. I mean, uh, and and realize you know that the the seismic plates are moving in in college sports and get in with with one of the strongest uh, conferences. Now it hasn't worked out in some respects athletically, but hopefully that'll change. Okay, now let's talk about this volleyball volleyball specific impacts of this. The conference that already was r- ridiculously oh. powerful. What does the addition of of UCLA and USC? I mean, I assume I don't know all the the numbers of when those teams have last been in in national championship stuff, but I perceive they're both UCLA. Bloods, UCLA right? last won in 2011. There was a huge gap prior to that, and it was a huge surprise that they won in 2011. Uh, other tight schools had off years, injuries, things like that, so they were a big surprise winner. But uh, USC won it in '03 and '04 together. They won six or seven. Uh, titles, but the one big benefit to Nebraska is they can recruit California now more effectively. I'm not sure they need to, but it's been tough to go get the Justine Wangarantas of the world and get them to stay, the Jen Salimuas, and get them to stay uh, because you know they want to be near family. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, hold on, we're coming out every year now, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that will help in that regard. There's so much talent out on the West Coast, and more and more of the West Coast talent wants to play in the Midwest because there's more intensity here. People care more. Yeah. It, it, it's just I, I mean I can't imagine assuming you you know UCLA and USC and and they're going to be years I, I assume where they're going to be up there top ten teams that will not be odd oh. at all with, with with where they've been just throwing that into the rigor that already exists in the Big Ten like there are going to be program there are going to be programs that are going to be struggling volleyball wise in this conference with the gamut that you've got to run half of the top ten often is. Big Ten schools, already. and half of the top 15 is Big Ten schools already, typically. Mm-hmm. Now you throw in these two, now you're potentially the majority of your top 15 ranked teams could be in the same conference. You know, how do you coach the Rutgers volleyball program? I mean, they, how do you coach the you know, Maryland? It's, it's going to be Indiana. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these are places where there's no off night. You see, Nebraska doesn't have to play Nebraska. 
Right. That's a that's a big benefit. Going to play Rutgers in Indiana. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you wonder if they're going to pull a Wisconsin in baseball and just say, you know, throw up the white throw up yeah. the white flag. But with Title Nine, that's really tough to that's do. That's true. You've got to have you've got to have those numbers. What do you think? I know it's it's a little early to discuss this, but how does this affect scheduling and what the Big Ten does now with with volleyball scheduling? I mean, I assume you're going to go out west and you play both of them essentially. Oh yeah, in one the, trip and in, in in one trip and then. I don't know, you know, they've got to come the other direction constantly. Sure. How, like, how impactful, how difficult is that travel situation going to be? It, it's tricky. I mean, if you're playing with Rutgers in Maryland, you got a UA, an L.A. weekend. That's a that's a haul. A lot of Zoom classes. Oh. If you're going to USC and playing volleyball, get ready to study on Zoom. Because you're, you're going to have to go and, I think, stay mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, L.A.'s got a lot of flights nonstop. So maybe it's not as big an issue. But it's gonna be, it'll be pricey. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I got to, you know, I want some games there, and I want some football games, some volleyball games. I want let's get them both packaged on the same weekend, right? Nice. Let's get, go down to U.S. Let's go watch a game it. in the Coliseum or in the Rose Bowl, and, and then go over to and get ready for this fight song. Do 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 do. All right, and Cal Berkeley is offside. Do 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 do. And that. Brings it. Well, it is no two minute warning. Hold on. Uh, that is an illegal motion penalty on the opposing team. Hey, nonstop. The I mean, the good news. I don't know what the volleyball situation is, but I watch USC football games, and it looks like tickets are readily available there. So I ought to be able to get one on the secondary market for about five bucks when Nebraska plays USC. Coliseum is huge, and they haven't been very good. You better be good in LA if you want to attract fans. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, let's hit or what? Couple, couple, three weeks out now from the beginning of fall camp for uh, volleyball. Any any new headlines? Anything happening in the background here? Side note: Lincoln Riley is making ten million a year to fix that problem for USC football. By the you, way, by the way, you know what? The first thing I cannot wait to see twenty twenty four. Whenever this happens, is Lincoln Riley taking USC up to November in uh snow nice. cold up in uh east Lan- a gray east lansing nice. an industrial feel trojans pe- invading bloomington oh my gosh dude <laughs> i remember driving by on a saturday to a volleyball match huskers were playing indiana and penn state was playing indiana there might have been ten thousand fans in the crowd beautiful saturday afternoon yeah. might have been ten thousand people in the crowd yeah. Like I said, uh, some some of these schools are going to be in the right place at the right time for was, all of these things. I was thinking, you know, Texas could be a dark horse this year in volleyball. Kale changes their whole equation. They've got two transfer setters. How that was a big a problem. Dark horse. They're one of well, perennially they, a top team. They they've they've lost some serious talent, um, but and they you know they've defected or joined yeah. the portal or or retired yeah. in, the, in the old setters case. But they got the best player in the country. They've got an amazing middle, Asia O'Neill. They're going to have one of two former starting setters on other programs. They got Kayleigh playing libero. They got a transfer from Kentucky who's got a national championship ring. They, if they gel, if their chemistry gels, which is a big if, they're loaded. Mm. Well, yeah. That sounds like they're going to be preseason top 10. Uh, preseason top five. Best player in the country, Logan well, Eagles. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Is That's not a dark horse, though. <laughs> we're just well, kidding. You, I, they, they flamed out last year. They flamed out. And so people thought, and then, then they had the huge defections. So everyone's mm-hmm. like, they're done. No. I mean, and the whole key with them is chemistry. And they've never been able to pass very well. Kaylee solves that issue with them. You know, you know who my dark horse from the World Series is? Who? New York Yankees. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> who thought... <laughs> I mean, Texas comes out of all they have is Baylor in their own conference. They're going to be tough. 
what's uh what what's in the what's in the news what's happening anything as we're in the summer here season right now as we head into fall camp well we, uh, we had we had an eventful weekend in Kearney. <laughs> yeah I, I meant volleyball wise but yeah. yeah you let's get some takes on that <laughs> were you were you there were you one of the I were you, did you uh did you get a letter that said you couldn't come no i, I was not oh, one of the okay. six all right which dwindled to one yeah Dwindle to one. It's uh, it's interesting, but to your the average Lincolnite or Nebraska, it's not going to affect much. But no, wow. that's what I said. That that uh, they had Heineman was quoted in Nebraska Examiner article yeah. saying kind of the same thing. Like people don't, yeah. people barely follow. You know, there are some people who are ultra tied in, right? And but that's a smaller fraction, I think, than anybody ever realizes. But that was a, a well. It was a well organized effort. I mean, people were dissatisfied, and yeah. you got total new leadership. But yeah, I'm not sure that people can name the top five levels of the hierarchy of each uh, of the state parties. I think I learned a lot about yes. state party organization this weekend, it's and been, learned that they're taking their business to Kearney and not Lincoln. Come on, Lincoln, let's get that convention center centrally located. I'd like to appeal to the outer state guys. It was a national story. I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, our afternoon host was on Steve Bannon's podcast yesterday. Nice. <laughs> That's big. I mean, yeah. right before he testifies. Right before, not only testifies, goes on trial for criminal contempt of Congress. There's a lot going on in this state. There is. This is not a sleepy There's a state. Lot of big thing. I know. I know. Uh, is uh, do we know what? Do we know what is our roster set for the year volleyball wise Un- yet? Unclear. Oh my gosh. There's still plenty of time. Starting. Still plenty Kinda of need. time. Jeez. Right, we got uh, the other question is the setting position, yeah. and then uh, the question is the right side. And Lindsey Krause, is she a right side? Is she a left side? I mean, this debate's going to go on and on. It's it's like when um, you know a, 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 a Jabba is yeah. he a reliever? Is he a starter? It's the same deal. So that that's the big question. Is it's a, a Jabba Chamberlain question? Is it now uh, taking over the Nebraska oh, wait, program? Shout out Jabba! I see him all over town. He's nice. right in here with me. He's uh, one of those guys who, yeah, I like it when there's people who have some level of of celebrity and they come back some to level. their hometown. Yeah, I'm, it's difficult to understand or even describe the level of celebrity he had for a you know like a two or three year, window. especially in the New York market. In, that's right. Yeah, yeah New York. Yeah. He was everything. The name, the mm-hmm. story. The background, the, the the velocity. I mean, it's amazing how these guys just act like humble guys walking around. He was the it guy. Yeah, in the biggest market in the country for two or three years. This whole does he is he a closer? Is he a starter? That consumed talk radio in the New York market for like three years. And I see him every two weeks in Lincoln, pretty much yeah. somewhere. And he grew up right over right, right right here. Yeah, and like your average New Yorker. Right. I mean, they may not know the hierarchy of the local state parties, but they knew the whole Java situation inside and out. It's just phenomenal. It's exactly you know, right. You know, Darren Erstad lives here, former number I one. I see Erstad at the grocery oh, store all the time. Number one he overall the, pick. He is the grocery person in that family, yeah, FYI. He's, he's Mr. Dad. I've run into Erstad at the grocery store. Uh, ran into Ken Shimmick at the grocery store a couple of times, and that nice. guy can't, that guy can't do anything. Can't move. Forget it. Oh, I feel bad for the TV I, people. And he's always wearing like a a, a towel or something to camouflage himself and glad <laughs> shades. Fake mustache, fake mustache, like Bobby Valentine. Can't go anywhere. <laughs> people always yell out, "Okay, give me the four day forecast." Like, yeah. can I just find the butter in here? A cable guy, you'll see him at Shields oh. and stuff. He's he's running around town too. He's amazing. I like I like it when the because yeah. there are a few, and I'm not going to name names, but there are a few like lower level 
celebs than we even even mentioned, and they act like Lincoln's, they... Lincoln's become a bit of a celebrity magnet town. I mean, this is kind of the Aspen of the Midwest in some respects. A lot of people respects. are saying that. A lot of people are saying We're that. We're like, okay, I'm retiring where now? Right. How close do I want to live to Gateway? Downtown? Where am I going <laughs> to save some dough? <laughs> no, it's kind of fun. Get one of those. We got all those. We got all these new residential areas in town. I think some. that's maybe where I want to retire. Get a downtown condo. No so, lawn to mow. Walk to dinner every night. So reverse white flight. You're leaving the east <laughs> and you're actually going closer to the core. Good for you. RWF, lead a movement. <laughs> Whatever you do, Jack, often there are followers. <laughs> All right, we got to go. We're no. out of time. I'm sorry. It was quick. We'll come more often. It'll, you know, we'll have more time to be able to say things. Quality over quantity. Quality over quantity. Always. Happy summer. Always. In related news, we're shortening our show to 20 minutes. Woo. All right, it's 856. Take a break. Wrap up the show for this on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com.